This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome into the 2019 edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the July 4th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I am your new host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRand. It is an honor to be taking the reins from the great Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. I hope to keep up the great work that Jeremy did for many years here on the Mailbag. And today, we're going to welcome the exact same gentleman that came kicked off the 2018 mailbag. We have Eric McClung, the editor-in-chief of the Player Profile, a world-famous draft kit. He's the host of the At Roto Underworld Game Night at Roto Grinders. Eric does a fantastic job over at Roto Underworld with Matt Kelly. He can talk all the different fantasy football formats, Dynasty, Redraft, Daily Fantasy. The guy's a grinder, and he's killing it right now. He's an absolute must-follow on Twitter at Eric McClung. Eric, thanks so much for coming on. It's fantastic to have you kick off this season's mailbag. Yes, thank you. Fantastic to be here. Uh, hashtag Fridays are for the mailbag. And huge shout out to Jeremy Hart, as you mentioned, the fantasy gumshoe. You definitely have very big gumshoes to fill. Uh, I was a huge fan of this show. Uh, it was a bummer to hear that Jeremy wasn't going to be doing it anymore, but you know, awesome that you got this opportunity, Mike. Uh, so best of luck. This was a great show for me. Um, you know, like you mentioned, uh, I got to kick off last year, so very cool to be doing that again. Uh, but yeah, this was always like top of the playlist show. I, I love Jeremy, the, the music he brought to the show, and the crazy questions. And I hope you uh, hope you continue all that, Mike. Absolutely. He, he's like my Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I've taken all that in and I'm trying to learn now. I feel like I got the blindfold on like Luke Skywalker hanging upside down with Yoda. But here we go. We're going to kick it off. Now, Eric, I've known you for a while. You're doing fantastic work over at Player Profiler. So I wanted to start with the actual draft kit. You were nice enough to bring me aboard this year. You, as the editor-in-chief, you've been producing this incredible source of fantasy football information for a few years as editor-in-chief. It's comprehensive. It's got the written format, the cheat sheet, the electronic format. we got over 300 players with write-up and videos. This year, Player Profiler joined forces with the people here at Rotoviz, and they've produced just a top-of-the-line resource for fantasy gamers. So you were in at the ground floor. Talk about how the draft kit idea got started, how much research goes into it in this project, and how really this year, it's blowing the doors off and really is better than ever. Yeah, let me just start by saying that this is just a big trick. Uh, there's no mailbag podcast. This is just a commercial for the draft kit. <laughs> so go, go, go to playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Yeah, check this thing out. Um, you, know, uh, you know, we did this, and Mike, you put a lot of work into this last year as well. Between the two of us, we've really put on a, 
put together a really embarrassing number of, amount of hours <laughs> over the last two years on this thing. <laughs> but yeah, this is not a top 100. It's not a top 200. This is a top 300. Uh, tons of players. As you mentioned, we've, we've got full write-ups, three paragraph blurbs on all these guys. We've got videos just about for everybody at this point. And what's really cool is as you go through this draft kit, it's almost like a digital magazine. You just sort of click on the name and then boom, this, this uh, box kind of opens up, gets bigger. You get to see that blurb. Scroll down even further, that video is in there as well. But what's really cool, and it's sort of like just finding Easter eggs, is you'll see Rich Rebar, you'll see Evan Silla, you'll see J.J. Zacharyson, you'll see the biggest names in fantasy doing these awesome cameos for us, writing these players up, doing the videos as well. So tons of work goes into it, and, and we've got over 100 of those analysts from you know well, well-established names from across the industry that are going to pop into this draft kit as well. So, you know, we've got the, the brain power. Uh, of player profiler and rotoviz is just a great partnership and uh yeah just an awesome product so definitely check this thing out and it's not just the cheat sheet and the players that in of itself is great what i love is the rotoviz team previews you go right down the right side here we got projected starting lineup management upcoming schedule strength of schedule players added lost players drafted and then vacated targets and vacated carries so really like we said we covered it you know soup to nuts back and forth i mean we have who do who's like the craziest person i think we got a video we got a video on Keith Kirkwood, right? I mean, we got we got write ups on everybody. Yeah, guys are probably going to end up on like practice squads or in here. Uh, but yeah, you, and that's a great point you mentioned, Mike. That uh, that I, I overlooked there. Those yeah, those team previews. I mean, just that information alone is is pretty massive. So yeah, you know, you, you go to the grocery store or, or the Seven Eleven or whatever, you see the fantasy football magazine, you see the NFL preview magazines. This thing is basically both of those put together. And unlike a magazine, this thing is getting updated uh, on a pretty consistent basis. You know, we're, we're moving guys up and down uh, and adjusting this stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a two-in-one. So let's start with our redraft analysis with Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs' fourth-year wide receiver, he met with the NFL officials for eight hours this week in regards to whether he violated that NFL personal conduct policy. This is a lightning rod guy, Eric. He's currently a fifth-round pick in most redraft leagues, but we're starting to see short suspensions fly around on social media. There was some speculation. Is it being floated by the NFL to see what the general public's reaction would be? We started hearing four games. How do you handicap and redraft Tyreek Hill at this point? And if he was only going to be suspended for four or five games, how does that make you view the other chief offensive players? Because this was the most explosive offense in the NFL, and this is really a linchpin to how that offense is going to function. Right. So, well, the preface with Tyreek Hill, if you're not into drafting despicable people, you were never going to draft Tyreek Hill anyway. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at what he did in college, uh, the same, same woman is involved with, with this circumstance. It, it, it sounds bad. It looks bad. Uh, but Tyreek Hill has been a bad guy for, for quite a long time. The Kansas City Chiefs are well aware of this. Um, if it's only four games, um, I mean, this isn't, it's not coming off an injury. So this is, you know, view it as if it was a PED suspension or anything else. And yeah, if you get him in the fourth, fifth round, you know, that, that's going to pay off quite a bit. If it ends up being eight games, you know, then, then that's going to look pretty bad. It, I think it's really going to just depend on sort of how the, the draft is, is going. It's going to be on such a case-by-case basis if you want to invest a fourth or fifth pick, uh, round pick on him. Just I'd have to feel really, really comfortable on you know how those initial picks went for me. It would have to be sort of a luxury pick, which sounds very weird given, given how despicable <laughs> Tyreek Hill is as a person to call him a luxury pick. Uh, but as for Kansas City, 
you know, the offense overall, as you mentioned, this is, you know, an offense you definitely want to get players from, but it's going to cost you a lot. Patrick Mahomes is pretty much overvalued in fantasy, you know, if you're, if you're in a single QB kind of format. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I think, is priced correctly, either with or without Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to have a, a phenomenal year. And Sammy Watkins, you take a look at playerprofiler.com, third in target separation. That's the game charting. Uh, that we do, we actually have people, multiple people on uh, doing the game charting on every single game that come up with these stats. So Sammy Watkins, again, third in target separation on a player profiler and 10th in quarterback rating when targeted. Take a look at his FFPC uh, average draft position and it is climbing over the last five weeks. Watkins has moved up from a top 75 overall player to a top 70 player. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind getting Watkins at, at, at that in that area, because I think whether it's four games, six games, eight games, I think Watkins could pay off. Uh, you know, Kelsey's going to be a, a huge investment. So, uh, but yeah, just to, just to go back to Hill, like I said, I, I got to feel really good about how my draft is going to uh, to take that pick. Listen, if people don't want to take Tyreek Hill because of what he's done, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Absolutely not. I know it's going to be a wide range of reactions in terms of everyone knows what he did was horrific. Some people are comfortable taking him, some are not. And that's really a key question. You and I are both in the Scott Fishbowl this year, so we're looking at that. I have the fourth overall pick. People are really pushing Travis Kelsey. I mean, I Gosh, you know, you hate sometimes, or at least I hate, taking that one position starter so early. You know, it's why QBs have always fallen it so deep this year. But Travis Kelsey, I would think, Eric, with Tyreek Hill being up in the air, Hartman's new, Sammy Watkins, like you said, you're not sure what you're going to get from time to time. I would think Travis Kelsey has about as safe a floor as you're going to find at the tight end position. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and even with the fishbowl, with that we said you pick fourth, he, yep. he may not even last. True, may not. You probably won't even get to make that decision based on based on that scoring format. No, that's totally true. But th- what I will not be able to do is take the number one overall pick and. Really, part of the draft kit we talked about, the big debate was Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. If you have the top overall pick, who are you going with? You have Barkley, led the NFL with 2,028 total yards from scrimmage, second in rushing yards, third in PPR fantasy points per game. McCaffrey, of course, the great satellite back, first with 107 receptions, first in receiving yards, second in fantasy points per game. And Zeke Elliott, even though he continues to do some baffling stuff off the field, First in carries, led the NFL with 1,435 rushing yards and increased his passing game volume from 26 receptions to 77. So who are you targeting if you had the top overall pick in PPR or standard? Who are you leaning towards there at that top pick? Yeah, so let me first just by saying, yeah, I do think this is a legitimate top three, uh, Elliot. McCaffrey and Barkley in some order. However, I think as we get closer and closer to the season, especially if Arizona starts off hot in a, in a preseason game or two, I think David Johnson is going to make this a top four or a big four, if you will, before uh, before the season starts. And I would not be surprised at all if David Johnson outscores Saquon Barkley outright in any format because the Giants offense if you think it stinks, and I do think it stinks, uh, this, this could be bad news for Saquon Barkley. Great call. Great yeah, in call. Terms of, in terms of touchdowns, if, if, you know, this is an offense that just doesn't sustain drives. You know, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have these big, big uh, touchdown runs that, that fuel your Barkley weeks. And you're going to have these, you know, these games that are blowouts where he's, he's barely playing uh, in the fourth quarter and others, and he's going to hurt you. So, yeah, I, I have no problem. 
uh, going Johnson over Barkley at, at this point. So going back to your original question, though, I think the cop-out answer is Ezekiel Elliott in standard formats. Uh, there was some news with Elliott today. He put out a big apology on, on Twitter. He, he talked with Goodell. And from the initial kind of echoes of this, it sounds like there won't be suspension. Based on his past, it, it would kind of make sense. But, you know, if you look more and more into what actually happened, I don't really think a suspension is, is warranted. I don't think it would make sense. So I think Elliott's going to be safe. Uh, so, yeah, for him him and Standard, McCaffrey and PPR, again, that's kind of the cop-out answer. That's what we ended up doing on the draft kit. Um, so, yeah, I just I just don't th- – I think at this point we should be bumping Barkley down a little bit. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll take David Johnson over. My, I can understand why some people may not be there yet. But, yeah, Elliott, McCaffrey, pretty much in any format, I, I, I would feel comfortable with either of those guys over Barkley. People that are listening to this podcast are people who are confident in their fantasy football abilities. You, you, you're listening to Rotoviz, you're listening to the mailbag. Eric's here from Player Profiler. You feel like you can win a title in redraft. That's the way people are, are, are constructed when they talk about fantasy football. So the key to that is not bombing your early pick because the majority of your points, unless you hit Patrick Mahomes late or Zach Ertz a couple of years ago late, are going to come from those early picks. And listen, you hit a a great point about Barkley. Right now, coming into this year, don't you have the same feeling about Barkley as we did about David Johnson last year? Oh, he's a great running back, but the right. offense isn't good. So there's a lot of risk involved. That's risk I don't want to take in an early round, right? Yeah, a couple. Of, yeah, that's that's a great example. Uh, David Johnson last year. Uh, if, if you go back to the Jeff Fisher Rams, the, the horrible season Todd Gurley had. You know why? Why couldn't Barkley do something very similar to that? You know, that's totally within the range of outcomes. If not. Uh, you know, somewhat predictable it, given how bad we think the Giants, you know, the Giants offense could be. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting a, a little weary on Barkley. And I think as we get closer to the season, if we, if, you know, if, if the Giants are more and more committed to Eli Manning, then, you know, that, this is, this is a, a, you know, this is a sinking ship. So to take the one on one, you know, it, sure, in Dynasty, absolutely make, makes all the sense in the world. But, in redraft, yeah, I, I think I think Barkley's getting just you know a little too much credit at this point. I think we have to take a look at how you know how these offenses could be. Arizona, like I said, if if they start out red hot in the first preseason game, and David Johnson's lining up in the slot doing wide receiver stuff like he used to, then you know uh, that that's the train I want to get on. Well, this is a good time to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to our premium NFL content, and it supports the pod. Please remember also support the pod by subscribing and rating the Rotoviz channel on iTunes. It's hard work. We get these podcasts out for you. Do us a solid. Hit that rate button. And, of course, any questions you like, feel free to send them in to rotovizradio at gmail.com. Eric, my question from the past weekend is please tell me that you made a change to the world-famous, in quotes, player profiler draft kit after Marquise Goodwin won the million dollars at the 40 yards of gold. I mean, seriously, that's got to have a major influence, right? Right. Not only that, not only that, Mike, <laughs> the videos that he put on social media, him, have you seen this? Him hunt, hanging out with the tiger? Yes, the I see <laughs> And then, so I saw that. I didn't even know about the other one. He's in the water again, not with the tiger, but he's on an elephant. He jumps off an elephant, and somebody's throwing him a football, catches the football midair, splashes into the water. 
Marquis Goodwin is living like not just the good life, but I, I don't know. He's like on some other level. He's hanging out with with uh, with jungle animals, and you know, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, yeah, the, the forty yard thing. I, that I mean, he should have won. I mean, the guy's literally like an Olympic athlete. He's competed in the Olympics. I think he's gonna. He might try to qualify for the next one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he should have won, he should have won that, uh, the, the 40 yard race, but yeah, these, these videos he's got, you know, hanging out with the tiger and the elephant. That's uh, yeah, that, that's a whole other level. And I think he caused some of the people in that race to, to pull in no moss. Robbie Anderson beat Kamara in the first round and then just stopped racing. I, I, I think Marquise Goodwin caused a no moss effect because he was so intimidating. Yeah. I don't know why any, I don't know why anybody would have done this. I mean, they got played for a million dollars. Again, he's an Olympic, like, not even, like, we're not hyperbolic, literally an Olympic athlete, you know, in track. I mean, why were any of these guys trying to compete with him? It's all about the fame, right? Well, staying with San Francisco, one of the most confusing yet critical NFL teams here, the 49ers to handicap, especially their backfield. You have Matt Breida, who's the zombie from the Thriller video that just kept battling through injuries last year. They bring in Tevin Coleman from Atlanta, reuniting with head coach Kyle Shanahan. We still have metrics darling Jarek McKinnon, who's returning from his ACL injury. How do you project this backfield? It's ambiguous. And what advice do you have for drafters here? So... You know, Tevin Coleman makes a lot of sense. You know, as you mentioned, it's a reunite, you know, he reunites with Kyle Shanahan. Those were his best years. Unfortunately, we've seen Tevin Coleman get, you know, some opportunities to, to be a workhorse type of starter guy and kind of fall on his face, not perform, you know, anywhere near what we wanted. However, you know, we take a look at his average draft position on fantasy pros. You know, he's around a top 30 running back, and, and the guys around him have plenty of question marks, too. So, you know, if you get him as like a flex guy, I think that's okay. You know, McKinnon, we, we actually have ranked, and it, it looks like drafters kind of agree with us here on the draft kit. Uh, he's going at or around where Brita is, if, if not a little bit earlier. And, you know, given the money that they gave him, uh, San Francisco gave to McKinnon last offseason, it would make sense that he would get his chance before Brita. As you mentioned, uh, yeah, it's not, not Halloween yet, but, yeah, Matt Brita was, was a bit of a zombie, uh, yet able to play through a vast variety of ailments. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how much longer that can can continue you know he's a smaller dude if he continues to get banged up i you know i, I don't think he's got you know all, all uh i don't think it's going to be sustainable playing with that many injuries is what i'm trying to say and you know even though he performed pretty well at times last year they threw plenty of competition at him pretty much all year um you know even after mckinnon went down they didn't just all of a sudden uh, you know unlock everything for brita so i, I think coleman's the guy and his, his price tag makes a lot of sense mckinnon i'd go above brita but at that point in drafts you know, I'm not really looking for backup running back, so uh, I don't know if I'm really going to end up with either of them. And, of course, Jimmy G is back. And I saw a poll on Twitter from Jeff Hazley of Football Guys, at Jeff Hazley. He asked, what do you think is the better late-round wide receiver? He's got James Washington in Pittsburgh, Kiki Kuti down in Houston, Dante Pettis in San Francisco, or Didi Westbrook. The winner was by far and away Dante Pettis, which I think is putting an awful lot of faith, A, in San Francisco, and B, in Pettis. I don't know if I see him as an 80-catch guy. I would go with Didi Westbrook, but given that we're on San Francisco, what's your thoughts on that poll there? Yeah, and looking at the, the average job position, yeah, I mean, you could actually end up with, with Pettis or Westbrook. or I mean, I'm, I'm trying to say both of them. You could end up with Pettis and Westbrook. Uh, you know, he's, he's probably going to go a couple of rounds later, but where Pettis is going, again, looking at our draft position on Fantasy Pros, uh, Christian Kirk is right there. So is Will Fuller. And I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm, you know, I think San Francisco, San Francisco is pretty much going to look to run the ball and, and go to Kittle in the air. Pettis, you know, he's not really, even though he's the 
you know, in air quotes, wide receiver one for the team. He doesn't really profile that way. So, yeah, Kirk, Fuller, these are guys I'd rather have than Pettis. And, you know, Westbrook is, I think, definitely a good pick. And, you know, him going a little a little bit later than some of these guys, I, I see no, no reason why you couldn't uh, snag up, you know, one, two, or, you know, three of these guys. Especially because Dante Pettis didn't win 40 yards of gold, right? I mean, that, that, that's certainly the most important point. What was your first memory that you can remember about the NFL? Obviously, we're NFL junkies. We love it. What was the first moment? I remember mine. I'll share it after you. Where you became a fan. Was it a play or a game or, or something where you really remember saying, wow, I, I really love this sport? Yeah, it, it was actually collecting cards uh, with my dad, of all things. Um, and I, I know exactly, I can actually trace my NFL fanhood through through the trading cards back to 1989 when I was when I was six years old. Uh, but prior to all this, my dad was a, a bit of a card collector, actually inherited O.J. Simpson's rookie card, uh, which, which is interesting. Uh, I have Art Monk's rookie card. I have like a, a really early Dan Marino card, uh, Walter Payton. I've got a couple of cool old school cards, but yeah, I love the football. It goes back to '89 when I when I was six, collecting cards. And actually, uh, Joe Montana, when he got hurt, we sent him a letter and a card to sign. He sent it back to us, which was really cool. That's so, tremendous. That's yeah, great. So, <laughs> so I got a Montana autograph. Uh, you know, automatically made me a San Francisco 49er fan. So it's interesting we're kind of diving into to their uh, to their players. So uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Although lo- I live in Pennsylvania, so in terms of like local memories, I remember Randall Cunningham just like flipping over guys, taking off. And that sort of seemed like running quarterbacks is, is very common, you know, these days. And, and you know, a lot of people, you know, can go back to Mike Vick. But Randall Cunningham, that was like, you know, for, for like early 90s, you know, he, he was the guy and sort of one of a kind. That's a great one. Two things. First, I go back to the Cowboys. I started being a Cowboy fan when I was younger because I liked the, the colors. Butch Johnson, who was playing alongside Drew Pearson, did his California dance. You know, now that we can celebrate again in the end zone, it's great. But he did his California when he made a reception. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. But just to make you, just to prove to you how much of an idiot I am, I had a Joe Montana rookie card. I did. I actually mm. did. And as a Cowboy fan, you know, the Niners, Lenamasi, oh, yeah. <laughs> he got traded to Kansas City, right? He ended yeah. up going to Kansas City. You know what I did? I took a pen. Oh, and I, no. I did. I did. And I crossed out San Francisco and wrote Kansas City. Oh, and I'll no. tell you, Eric, I remember doing it in my parents' house. And it was a weird feeling like, I don't know if I should do this. But you're a kid. You're like, oh, whatever. I still have that card. Dumbest move I've made. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you have post that on Twitter along with uh, along with a link to this podcast. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. It's what I'll do. Old faces in new places. We got a question here about Antonio Brown. Brown has been fantasy gold and a safe first round pick for years in redraft. What do we do with the thirty year old heading to Oakland with Derek Carr? The jury's still out on Carr. He was fourth among all QBs on player profile with twenty seven interceptable passes. His FFPC ADP has been rising slightly. I would say now we're we're looking with Antonio Brown mid to late second round. What are your thoughts on him? Undervalued, overvalued, properly valued? Right. So before Antonio Brown, let, let's get to Derek Carr. The the jury is not out on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a very mediocre quarterback, <laughs> and for fantasy purposes, he is a absolute zero as a rusher. So unless you're going to tell me Derek Carr is all of a sudden throw 35, 40 touchdowns, I'm not not interested at all in Derek Carr. Fantasy wise, as for Antonio Brown, this isn't going to be like Randy Moss with Kerry Collins level bad for the Raiders. But I'm extremely nervous about it. Uh, we've got John Gruden, and Mike Mayock, Mark Davis running the team uh, as the owner. I mean, these are not names that really inspire me very much. 
I think the you know they're going to be on hard knocks. We're going to see how much of a circus and a train wreck this is going to be. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown did everything he could to, to get the heck out of there. Acted like a complete weirdo. If they start off the season one and four, how invested is Antonio Brown? I don't know. Uh, I'm just I don't. Know. Uh, I, I, I want to draft other players than Antonio Brown. He is risky. I just keep seeing this image of him in Pittsburgh when he would get mad. He wasn't getting the ball pouting on the bench. I mean, I'm having flashbacks of Terrell Owens. I, I agree. It can go south quickly. I totally agree with you. He's amazing, but I, I think it's a stay away. There's a lot of odd stuff going on in Oakland. Like we said, we just said earlier, we want security in the early rounds, right? So this is one. I mean, he's a great wide receiver, but you're right. The variance there is is very high. Someone who... People who are Raiders fans or like the fantasy assets for the Raiders really like is Josh Jacobs. Fantasy data put out the following. Since 2011, at least one rookie RB has finished the season as an RB12 or better. So since 2011, there's always a rookie RB who's an RB1 in fantasy. Question that we got is, will Josh Jacobs be the top rookie RB this year? I mean, there's Miles Sanders in Philly who's hurt now. David Montgomery's getting a lot of press in Chicago. Daryl Henderson. By the way, I have solved it, Eric. It is Daryl Henderson. I heard their running back coach interviewed and he said Daryl so I'm going with Daryl over Darrell that's who I'm, I'm putting my stock in and then maybe of course Damian Harris in New England so there's the question is Josh Jacobs going to be the top rookie RB this year and if not is there someone else you like better right so let, let's put like put this in italics and asterisk whatever you want to do in terms of handicapping this you know to answer your question yeah odds on in favor to be like the most valuable rookie running back would be Josh Jacobs however stipulation here. I think he's really overvalued in fantasy right now. So both things can be true. Jacobs could be the best rookie running back and also not really deliver much fantasy value. So let's keep that in mind. In terms of, you know, the guy I'm most interested, especially given his draft position, would be Miles Sanders, because the Eagles offense, unlike, you know, the Giants, the Raiders, some of these very ugly to questionable situations, I think we can be pretty confident that the Eagles offense is going to be really, really good. So if Sanders, and you mentioned the injury, and that's super concerning, you know, with a rookie who can't really afford to be given away any sort of practice time. Um, but Sanders would be the guy, you know, in terms of fantasy value, that's that's the one I'm most interested in. Jacobs, like I said, I think he's just overvalued, even if he is the best rookie in terms of, you know, his fantasy points over the course of the season. I just, I don't know. I'm not going to take him where, where he's going right now. I had the 102 in a, in a dynasty draft for rookies, and I took Miles Sanders. Uh, I, I, people thought I should have taken Josh Jacobs ahead of him. I took Miles Sanders in dynasty. I'm a fan. The Doug Peterson argument with the running backs, we've heard it, you know, doesn't like using one running back. He's never had a running back that has this overall profile. So I, I think Sanders, what do you think, second half of the year, if he's healthy, this guy could be a league winner. I really think he could be. Yeah, that, yeah. Actually, I wanted to sort of tack that on, yeah, to to the Jacobs Jacobs analysis. So, yeah, I'm glad you did it there. Yeah, this Jacobs could be over the course of the season have more points, but if you look at points per game, yeah, as you mentioned, if if in the second half Sanders takes over, I think from a points per game angle, I could definitely see Sanders outperforming Jacobs at that point. So, yeah, in, in dynasty, I, I think it definitely would be Sanders. I think it's you know, I think it's short term versus you know a long-term thing, which is what Dynasty's geared for. So I have no issues with taking Miles Sanders over, over Jacobs in, in, in that situation. 
I was up late crunching some numbers, and I always see the movie Casino and then Heat come across my eyes. And when that happens, I grab a cup of coffee because I got to stay up and watch it. So I have to ask you, the three big ones that people always argue about with my friends especially, Scarface, Casino, or Heat. You got a choice between those three. Which one are you watching? Okay, so this is embarrassing because uh, I know Casino, yeah, that's one of these classic movies. However, to the best of my recollection, I do not recall ever seeing Casino. Oh! Uh, so, yeah, at Eric McClung, if you want to uh, throw, throw virtual tomatoes at me for, for that. Uh, Heat, I, so I remember watching Heat on VHS because it was on, like, two different cassettes. Actually, I had to Google this. Pretty much all these movies, all three of these movies are three-hour movies. Yes. But he, he felt like it was like four or five hours. <laughs> I don't know. It was, to me, it was boring at the time. Uh, I think there was like a cool like shootout scene, which is maybe why people rewatch it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Scarface, and I watched this far more recently. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's so like over the top. It's almost like a, a comedy at certain points. Uh, but yeah, Scarface is super entertaining, even though it is extremely long like these other movies. So uh, yeah, I've got to watch Casino and yeah, Heat. I just, I have bad memories watching it. It could be great, but yeah, I just remember switching to the VHS and, and trying to, you know, trying to stay awake. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Fair enough. Another dynasty question I have is in another league, I had the 101. I took over an orphan, I got the 101. And it's Superflex. And I traded. The 101 overall, which in essence is Kyler Murray, okay, right. for Lamar Jackson straight up. So obviously it's an owner who doesn't believe in Lamar Jackson, does believe in Kyler Murray. They're very similar quarterbacks. They got the Konami code of the rushing there. You know, you have Jackson who's improved every year at Louisville's accuracy. You got Kyler Murray who is prolific, but he is a rookie. What do you think in long term? Am I going to regret trading away Kyler Murray for Lamar Jackson? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I actually like – I mean, the, you know, most people want to say, oh, it's a great trade, it's a bad trade. I kind of like both of these guys. I, I think it I, I think it could work out where they're just really kind of similar. Uh, you know, the, the one thing would be if, if this works in Arizona, if this all – you know, if Kingsbury brings in this, you know, rebel, and, you know, people want to say, oh, the next Chip Kelly. Well, take a look at what Chip Kelly did early before he started, like, meddling with his roster and, and throwing guys away. It, it worked really, really well. So, and, and if this hits for Arizona, it's going to hit like right away because it's going to catch defenses off guard. So if it works big time, like it did for Chip Kelly, it's going to happen in year one. So I think in terms of like where the value of these guys are going to go, I think Kyler's probably going to get up there a little bit higher than, than Lamar by the end of the year. However, with Jackson, you, you mentioned the accuracy. I think he is a better passer than what we saw last year, you know, and you know, I don't know. They didn't really have the, the, the weaponry. I, you know, I like some of the moves they've made since then. Uh, I wish they didn't have like 50 million tight ends and, and <laughs> did some more things at receiver. But um, yeah, I, I, I like both of these guys a lot. Okay, I feel better. I feel better. You, you didn't give me a no, you're, you're crazy. So I do feel better about that. But no, perfect. I, I, yeah, I think, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think everybody would take Kyler. And I, you know, I do think in terms of like a raw value thing, I think, you know, you, maybe you could have gotten. 
you know, a little bit more. I don't know. But I, like I said, I, I like both of these guys, and I, I think Jackson's going to be much better than, as a passer than what we've seen so far. Well, it's a perfect segue into Arizona, and, and that's really a focus point here for all fantasy drafters. They have the air raid offense, Cliff Kingsbury's there, Rosen's gone, Kyler Murray's in. So I got a bunch of questions here that people have sent in about the Cardinals. First one, personal. I want to start with David Johnson. You talked about it earlier. He is right now, you can get him to lead the league in rushing at plus 2,400. For all the reasons you stated, I think that's incredible value, Right. Yeah, I like that. I mean, if you could get, and I, I didn't look this up ahead of time or just even if they if they even offer it, but if you could get scrimmage yards, like David Johnson yep. just to lead mm-hmm. the league in scrimmage, you know, I think that would be a pretty pretty interesting bet as well. I think, you know, him and McCaffrey, I think, are going to be, you know, pretty competitive in, in that area. But, yeah, I mean, I could just see if, if this if this Arizona offense, like I said, if it plays out to, to the max, like what we, you know, some of us think it can do, then Johnson <laughs> Johnson's going off big time. So, yeah, I, I like that bet. I like the scrimmage bet. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I like him above Barkley at this point. So, yeah, you know, give, give me some Cardinals. One of the keys that we always look for are the late round wide receivers who can pop. Last year, of course, when you're looking in the late round, Calvin Ridley was going off in, in the 10th, almost the 11th round. Chris Godwin finished strong. Anthony Miller had seven touchdowns. So there was a lot of late round wide receivers last year. This year in Arizona, one of the guys that I'm very high on is Christian Kirk. He's still a seventh rounder in redraft. I think many drafters prefer the rookies this year because I think we have this recency bias of, well, Kirk didn't do a lot last year, even though the offensive line was horrific, even though the offense was terrible, even though it was Rosen, even though it was the prior coaching regime. I think some people may like an Andy Isabella or somebody like that. Of course, Fitzgerald's still there, but you, I think, are high on Kirk as am I. Tell me why drafters should really like Kirk both in dynasty and redraft for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, in terms of ADP, especially at the wide receiver position, if but if not of all fantasy, I think Christian Kirk is one of the best values available right now. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, his ADP doesn't doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And uh, you know, one of the things in, in the draft kit, we have Kyler Murray already at the QB eight, and uh, if you look at fantasy pros, he's the QB twelve. So, I think that's a pretty big disparity. So. Yeah, get Murray later, get Kirk later. I mean, that's a that's a great little stack that you can run in your seasonal league. Uh, yeah, I just like I said, if, if this hits, it's going to hit early, you know. So if you know if you want to sell high, you might be able to get something even better for Christian Kirk. But yeah, I mean, you definitely want to invest, you know, in these Arizona players. And I mean, you know, as a rookie, Christian Kirk, you know, if it's a bad rookie year, I mean, I, I don't know, target, you know, target share over twenty percent, nearly seventy total targets. You know, given how bad we've seen some rookie seasons from other players, uh, you know, all things considered, you know, you mentioned all the factors there, the archaic offense, Rosen being pretty bad, the offensive line being very bad. You know, I, I think things, you know, turned out pretty good for Christian Kirk on player, pro, player profile. His target premium, target premium compared to his teammates, uh, all that factored in was fifth in the league. So I, I think Kirk adjudicated himself pretty well uh, as a rookie. You know, we all like these late round 
picks. We love, you know, being the guy in the draft room who gets one of these late round wide receivers or running backs late who can really make an impact. So there, I know that you're interested in a late round dynasty RB, sort of a lottery ticket there that maybe you get late in the rookie drafts that you think can pay off down the line. Maybe not this year, but tell us about, tell us who you like there, a late round dynasty RB that you think is a lottery ticket. He's going some of the later rookie drafts. It's an afterthought, but somebody who you think in a couple of years maybe could pop for for drafters. Right. So let me just start off. Let me uh, let me let me get humble brag here because I was all over Philip Lindsay last year. Very uh, and nice. I, I Very have the nice. Rec- yeah, I have the receipts. I wrote him up uh, as one of the best players that was not invited to the combine on number fire last year. And I also like Darwin Thompson before it was cool. Ooh, I wrote him up okay. as well. Yep. So, yeah, I've got receipts for this. You know, I think a lot of people are on the Thompson bandwagon since he went to Kansas City. I, I was interested in him prior to that. I know he's, there's some, you know, it's not a great, uh, it's not a perfect profile is what I'm trying to say. But there's some things there about Thompson that I like quite a bit. But to answer your question, Tampa Bay, we've got Bruce Allen, okay? Barber, Peyton Barber, just a guy. Ronald Jones might be terrible, and I've heard on some podcasts how you know Ronald Jones doesn't seem like a very dedicated guy. Think at least last year as a rookie, which could explain why he barely saw the field at all. Uh, maybe he's turned things around. Maybe he hasn't. But yeah, Bruce Anderson. Now, if you look at player profiler, you, you know it, it's not a great. He didn't have. He wasn't invited to the combine, and his pro day wasn't great. However, he's got some size. Uh, put up some decent numbers in North Dakota State. That's another thing, kind of working against him, the small school thing. But given this depth chart, you know, Barber, Jones, you know, if, if one gets hurt and the other guy's just horrible and they go to Bruce Allen, you know, I, th- I think that could be a pretty pretty good offense. You know, we've seen him give plenty of opportunity to Barber last year. So, you know, if, if Anderson gets that role this year, I think he could, be, he could do a little bit better with it. So, you know, you know, you're talking about a super, super late dynasty pick, a guy you're probably going to end up, trying to cut or at least you know get onto your taxi squad either way i don't mind sitting and waiting to see what bruce anderson might be able to do bruce anderson is a great call arians is there peyton barber is a jag but he still had a ninth overall at a running back opportunity share last year that's a tremendous call i have been sort of defaulting into ronald jones this year because of course you want a piece of the tampa bay offense that's what we all want but the problem is who's the running back ronald jones could be a bust he could be horrific so that's a great dynasty call and that's somebody who you could probably get for cheap right now because people are thinking oh it's peyton barber oh it's ronald jones oh it's arians winston evans guy when he's kind of under the radar. That's a great call. Somebody I'm super high on this year is the Dallas Cowboys overall offense, particularly Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. I think the Cowboys, in the last few years, I've been down on them. I think, of course, Jason Garrett, the clapper, the whole thing, you know, just the student body left, Zeke Elliott's eating. But, of course, there's been questions about Prescott. I think with Amari Cooper, he could have a monster year. And the splits on Rotoviz are huge. Nine games there where Cooper played. Dak Prescott last year averaging 274 passing yards, 1.6 touchdowns, 0.44 interceptions, 24 points in a standard format there. And in the seven games that 
Cooper did not play last year. Prescott, very pedestrian, 202 passing yards, 1.1 touchdowns, 0.57 interceptions, only 19 points per game. Right now, Prescott in the FFPC is the QB 19. I think, Eric, that's a massive screaming value. He's got Cooper the whole year. He's got Zeke. Randall Cobb is there. I am a Randall Cobb truther. I want to warn you ahead of time. Michael Gallup's (laughs) in year two. The corpse of Jason Witten. I see Dak Prescott as a top 10 redraft QB this year. Talk me off the ledge. Um, I am actually going to get on the ledge with you. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, with Prescott, you're going to say, oh, well, you know, they, they want to run the ball a lot. Okay, well, one of the reasons why Ezekiel Elliott didn't score as many touchdowns as you would have thought last year was because Dak Prescott scored <laughs> a number of those rushing touchdowns. I believe he's got six each of the last two years, something like that. Uh so Prescott, you know, we talked about Konami Code guys earlier. Prescott fits that role. You mentioned how amazing those splits are pre and post Cooper, a great weapon there. You take a look at Michael Gallup, a guy I, I really loved his profile coming out uh, of Colorado State as a rookie. And given the amount of targets that he got, he got a really healthy number of air yards. However, take a look at player profile of Dak Prescott, one of the worst deep ball passers last year. If they can fix that connection, you know, then we've got Cooper catching deep passes. We've got Michael Gallup finally connecting on, on those deep passes. If you watch Dallas game, I, mean, I know it's kind of anecdotal, but if you watch a number of Dallas games last year, I mean, you'll see these just little tiny uh, misfires between Dak and Gallup, just, you know, overthrowing him, underthrowing him, ball goes through his hands. There, I mean, Gallup was like a big player two away from really changing a lot of perceptions. And take a look at what he did in the second half of their playoff defeat against the Rams, 119 yards. So, Gallup ended the year, you know, looking like the guy I thought he would be. Now, Cooper there kind of suppresses, you know, what he's going to do over the course of a season. But I could definitely see Gallup and Cooper trading big games, you know, week by week with with Prescott if he can fix those deep ball problems. And if we go back to, uh, I believe, 2017, Dak Prescott's got some pretty bad numbers overall. However, take a look at what he did in the first six weeks. He's got a number of three and four touchdown games. It's really that second half that was just horrible that really you know really brought everything down. But he opened that year on fire. So if we get a little bit of that, a little bit of Cooper, a little bit of Gallup, and that deep ball connection is solved, yeah, I, I like that situation a lot for Prescott. I think he definitely could be a top 10 QB. Now, this pod is dropping on July 4th, okay? Hot dogs abound. But you had a very unique <laughs> take on hot dogs last year with Jeremy. My question is this. How much money would Eric McClung need to be the player profiler representative at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest today? Right. Okay, so let, let's start here. You know, everybody says you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Well, that applies for hot dogs. You don't want to know how the hot dogs are made either, people. Okay? I just don't like, like, case meats in general. I don't, I, I don't know what's in there. I don't like the snap. I don't like, you know, when you bite into it. I don't like the texture. It's just, no. It, it's, all, it's all a no for me. However... And I was just at a minor league baseball game where they had dollar hot dogs. And that dollar hot dog tasted pretty good because it only cost me a dollar. Right? I got it. Yep. So I will gladly accept money to, to eat a couple hot dogs. Now, I, I will not. I will certainly lose any sort of hot dog eating competition. But if you're going to offer me cash to consume hot dogs, 
you know, I can certainly do that. But yeah, overall, it's it's a gross food. I'm going to tell Matt, Joey Chestnut, Eric McClung next year. That's what we want. We want you with a Roto Underworld t-shirt up there going against Joey <laughs> Chestnut. Question we got here about a dynasty trade. Chris Godwin, we talked about one of the hottest offseason touts. We, we talked about Tampa Bay offense. They have Bruce Arians, but no more should Deshaun Jackson. Question here from the listener. Dynasty value question. You take Chris Godwin or would you take the 108 in this year's rookie draft? No, I mean, what? I think Godwin should cost more than that. Yeah. I mean, Godwin's only 23, and, and I mean, there's a couple, I think, like Debo Samuel's 23. I mean, there's, you know, there's, we've seen, you know, rookies that are 23, 22, 23 years old. So, you know, you could almost lump Godwin into this class. So, you know, 108, yeah, I mean, that's. That's a yeah. I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm accepting Godwin all the time. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. The person was saying that there was fifty fifty when he was asking his friends. Very funny. I'm with you. I I, I just because it's one, just because there's a one in front of it, doesn't mean it's better than what you have. You have a star here in, in Godwin. Time for the redraft lightning round. Here we go. I'll give you two players. You tell me who you like better for redraft: Devin Funchess or Dante Moncrief. You know I. <laughs> I like Moncrief. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I like that situation for Moncrief. I, I, I think that could work out really well for him. You know, we look at his. You know, I know he had Andrew Luck in the past, but you know, he also there was a year where Luck was out, and you know, Moncrief's had some really, you know, Blake Bortles last year, and uh, who they dusted was it Kessler? Could Kessler? I think they dusted yeah. off in oh, Jacksonville. Yeah. So okay, yeah, Moncrief he gets dinged up, and you know, some of his numbers are bad, despite what looks like a great athletic profile, but. I mean, let's keep in mind some of the horrific quarterbacks Moncrief has played with. So if we get a little bit of health, hooked up with Roethlisberger, we got you know Juju occupying defenders. I think that situation could work out. I know a lot of people are on James Washington, but for me, I, I think Moncrief's got this. Uh, you know, you know, you know, you think Kirk had a bad rookie year? Take a look at James Washington. You know, didn't didn't really do much of anything. So Moncrief, I, I think, is definitely the RB two here. So I, I like that setup as well. You know, Indianapolis. You know, things could get really, really spread out. You know, Funches could could go on a touchdown binge, but are you going to start him on the weeks he scores or, you know, are, are you going to bench him? So I think that that's a little tricky. I think Moncrief week to week, I think that's a, a better guy. I think this one's going to be easy. O.J. Howard or Eric Ebron, which tight end you like better? Right. Well, Eric Ebron at least spells his name properly. E-R-I-C. <laughs> business. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that's about. But um, no, O.J. Howard for me. I mean, Ebron could, like, like I said, the, the pie could get sliced up a lot of different ways in Indianapolis. Jack Doyle, if he's healthy, we, we saw based on snap counts when, when the two guys were, were both uh, both on the field. In terms of snap counts, it, it was Doyle was, was the preferred guy for sure. So you know, Ebron could, could evaporate here. O.J. Howard, you know, definitely on the ascent. We've seen him make plenty of big plays already. Uh, I don't really care if Bruce Aarons doesn't have a, a, you know, much tight end numbers to his name or whatever. He just really hasn't had, hasn't had an OJ Howard, hasn't really had much at tight end. So, yeah, that's uh, I like Howard a lot more. Back-to-back quarterback questions. First one, Matt Ryan or Baker Mayfield? Oh, man. I mean, come on. Come on, Baker. Jeez, this, is, this one's easy for me. However, I do think Matt Ryan is sort of like just – Kind of like Kirk Cousins, a guy that just gets dismissed very easily. Uh, so I, I like Ryan a lot. I think he's he doesn't really get his due. But yeah, Baker. I mean, and with never, it, it's so weird. Everybody wants to talk about stats and records and all this stuff. Baker Mayfield breaking the rookie quarterback passing touchdown record in only what do you have like fourteen starts, thirteen yeah. starts, something like that. Didn't even, so he didn't even need the full season to break a record that was set by Peyton Manning and tied by Russell Wilson. 
uh, nobody nobody seemed to care about that. Uh, but that that's amazing. And given he didn't have you know he didn't have Beckham, uh, he's going to have him this year, obviously. You know, uh, you know, Kitchens for a full season. Uh, you know, it, yeah, uh, it, it's going to be a big time for Baker. I mean, this is this is a guy who's going to be uh, a terrific, terrific player. So I like Baker Mayfield a lot here, uh, definitely over Matt Ryan. But yeah, I mean, if I can get Ryan a little bit later, I don't mind doing that either. I am with you. My answer is Baker Mayfield also. But if you asked a hundred people where Matt Ryan finished among quarterbacks in fantasy points per game last year, I'd be shocked if you got 10 to 15 people that would have said second. And he was actually Mm -hmm. second. And he was third in passing TDs. I agree with you. I would say Baker Mayfield, but the Falcons did go back-to-back offensive linemen in the draft, and he still has a potent offense. I agree. I don't think he gets his respect. He was number one in air yards, but I couldn't believe he was number two in quarterback points per game. Yeah, Ryan, definitely way better than you know, anybody's going to give him credit for. So this, this question is actually a lot closer than it, than it seems to be. But yeah, I mean, I love Baker coming out. I was, you know, I mean, I, you know, uh, basically did a backflip when, when the Browns took him number one, I, I didn't think that would, would happen in a million years. So uh, yeah, it's, it's Baker all the way, but yeah, you got to give Matt Ryan, uh, give Matt Ryan some more respect. The sophomore quarterback, Sam Darnold of the Jets or the coming back from injury quarterback in San Francisco, Jimmy G. Yeah, this is hmm, this is really interesting, and I'm, I'm still sort of trying to hash it out in my brain here. But you know, Donald flashed a lot at the end of last year. Looked really bad to start the year. Then he got hurt, came back, and, and looked totally different. He's got Robbie Anderson and, and some other weapons, which which is interesting. Garoppolo, you know, is I mean, we saw Kittle do a lot with yards after the catch last year. Is he really going to repeat that? Is he really going to give us a gronk here? And we, we talked about some of the issues with, with Pettis and, and that team not really having like that bona fide, you know, number one alpha kind of receiver. So, you know, I, I like, you know, I think Darnold could, could definitely do this here. And, and Garoppolo, you know, he's pretty much a, a statue type of guy, certainly with, with a knee injury. So he's not really going to give you any rushing, whereas Darnold, a lot more athletic guy. So, I, you know, I think he could get some rushing yards here and there, maybe run one in on occasion. So I, I think Darnold's the answer here. Yeah, Darnold, I agree with you. Six touchdowns, one interception over his last four games after that four-interception game against Miami in Week 9, Weeks 14 through 17. He played very, very well. Pair of wide receivers in Denver. Which do you like better, Cortland Sutton or Deshaun Hamilton? Oof. I mean, kind of a stay away. To be yeah, honest. right, right. Uh, yeah, it's not really great. Uh, I didn't really, I, I didn't think to look at the ADPs here, but I assume Hamilton's going to go later than Sutton. Yes. Yep. So, yeah, if I was going to scoop one up, yeah, maybe it would, it would probably be Hamilton. Um, Sutton, very promising profile, but yeah, some of the, the catch rate and, you know, some things that uh, can make you a little squeamish on, on what we saw last year. But, you know, again, it was a rookie year. But Hamilton, I, I think if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to throw one of these guys on my bench and cover a bye or something like that, I think, you know, maybe in a PPR format, Hamilton could could give me a nice, you know, safe little floor there, you know, when, when I need him. So, you know, probably Hamilton. But overall, I'm just, you know, I'm not really too thrilled there. Yeah, Cortland Sutton right now going about two rounds ahead of, of Deshaun Hamilton. Running backs, one of my favorite pairs of hashtag team backfield drafting is if you can pull off Kamara and Murray. But my question is Latavius Murray or Jordan Howard? Mm, yeah, I mean, we're just talking about the Philly offense and, and how much we like it. But yeah, I, I like Sanders quite a bit, and I, I think if Sanders does what we think he can do, then then excuse me, Jordan Howard is going to be sort of obsolete. Murray, I, there's definitely a role there for him, you know, with with you know how we've seen uh, New Orleans use Mark Ingram. So I, I feel more comfortable with Murray. I would say, you know, certainly PPR. We, we've seen you know Murray. I mean, he's not like 
and they've got Kamara there, but you know Murray's not like this phenomenal receiver. But we saw what you know what Drew Brees can do with Mark Ingram, and, and Murray is is plenty plenty quick enough to take a dump off and, and do something good with it. Whereas Jordan Howard, you know, it's just a, a stone hands kind of guy. He's gotten a little bit better here and there, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I see more complications for Howard, uh, whereas you know, where, whereas Murray, I think we could just you know kind of take what he's got with that nice little role there. Can't go wrong with a running back in the Saints offense with Drew Brees. Last one for you here. Better late-round tight end flyer, Mark Andrews or Austin Hooper? You know, I actually like Hooper a lot. Uh, if you take a look at what he's done year after year, he's gotten he's gotten significantly better. So, yeah, and uh, as I pull up his number here's, uh, numbers here on player profile, uh, I think, Mike, you know, some people like Mike – some people definitely like Mark Andrews, and, and that might be a more popular pick. But, yeah, with, with Hooper um, – yeah, Hooper. I, I like, like I said, I like him quite a bit, and um, I, I think that's the way to go. With um, you know, he was top five in tight end receptions last year. His 660 receiving yards was seventh at the tight end position. He was also seventh in air yards, and um, yeah, I, I think you know we've seen as we talked about with Matt Ryan, you know, with uh, with some of his touchdown projection uh, and things he was able to do. So you know, the top ten red zone target share also for Hooper. So you know, Julio Jones. You know, we, we saw him get in the end zone more than we have in the past. So if that goes back to, uh, you know, the, the frustrating uh, hashtag never Julio days, uh, Hooper could be the guy scoring those touchdowns. So uh, I feel pretty good with Hooper as a late round tight end. It's the summer, Eric. What's the best amusement park you've ever been to with your family? Uh, well, I've been to Disney in Florida, so I guess that kind of wins automatically. Uh, I do live very close, though, to Dorney Park, and, Ooh, Hershey, and, yeah. and Hershey Park isn't too far away. Oh, either, Hershey's so. tremendous, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a little spoiled with yeah, kind of where, where I am here in, uh, in Pennsylvania. i got, got some different options. So, yeah, I took, took the kids to Disney. Uh, my son's been there twice. Uh, my daughter, my my daughter was so uh, that's yeah, that's definitely been uh, been the best, just because it's the only one that we've uh, been to. So yeah, we're thinking about getting getting into Dorney. There's obviously a lot more you know to do for kids uh, at, at Disney, but uh, uh, yeah, kind of lucked out with uh, with some uh, what's available to me amusement park wise. Uh, a lot of roller coasters. It's all part of the plan. That's how you choose where you live. You, you knew that ahead of time. You were Nostradamus of amusement parks here for kids, of course. Uh, last question for you, then I'll let you go. You've been fantastic, Eric, as always. Great job here answering so many questions for us. I am an official Derrick Henry truther. At this time last year, I was going at it with all people on Twitter who wants to come at me and told me that Dion Lewis was going to somehow take away the production from Derrick Henry. Now, neither of them did a lot until the end of the season, but I did not see Deion Lewis when he had just like a pretty much a six-game run there with the Patriots being someone who could be relied on all year. Last year, of course, Tennessee didn't do much, but Derrick Henry at the end of the year was dominant. Over those last four weeks or so, had over 500 yards rushing. He actually ended up, I believe, with 12 touchdowns on the year. It's the quietest 12 touchdowns you could ever see. I'm on my couch with a gin martini, which is my drink of choice. I loved that Derrick Henry game against the Jaguars. Now, listen, I held on to him for too long. So the playoffs in that league because it was a little too little too late in week 14. But do you think this is the year that Henry can finally put it together? I remember when DeMarco Murray was there and we said, oh, Murray's only out of the picture. You know, is this the year where the Derrick Henry truthers are going to be happy? It, it has to happen. I mean, this is... I don't know what Tennessee has been doing the last two years. Like you mentioned, the corpse of DeMarco Murray, who was hurt in training camp. Hurt in training camp, and they continued 
to roll him out as their featured running back until the guy uh, finally broke down and, you know, the runway cleared for Derrick Henry. All he did was get him into the playoffs. All he did was win him a playoff game with highlight performances, huge runs, just, you know, just totally murking people, running them over, throwing them to the side. Uh, and we saw even more of that at the end of, of last year. So, yeah, I mean, my question is, how many games does Derrick Henry have to dominate in December to finally get starts in September? It's finally got to happen here. Uh, yeah, Tennessee, you know, the offensive line should be better. Marcus Mariota should have an arm that works. You know, it's still not like the, you know, the the premier offense or even like, I mean, this might be just sort of a, a mediocre offense, but that would be a vast improvement from what we've seen over the last two years. And, and Derrick Henry, yeah, just, just feed this guy. He is a monster. You know, there's like fat jokes about Derrick Henry. I mean, look at this guy. He's, he, the dude is totally ripped. Uh, there is just so many bad misconceptions out there about Derrick Henry. So, yeah, just he should have been the starter two years ago. Should have been the starter last year. Yeah, I, I think this. I don't think this is like Jarek McKinnon redux, where like the truthers are just like, give me another year, give me another year, give me another year. I think this is definitely the time for Derrick Henry. I'm on the Titanic. He's my ride or die for sure this year. Folks, Eric McClung, editor-in-chief of the Player Profiler World Famous Draft Kit, host of the Roto Underworld Game Night at Roto Grinders. Follow him on Twitter. A must-follow at Eric McClung. Eric, you kicked it off last year. This year, you even outdid yourself. Great job. So much information. So much of a variety of topics here, man. Thanks so much for coming on the mailbag and kicking off the 2019 season. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Like I said, shout out uh, at the top of the show. Shout out Jeremy Hart, the Fantasy Gumshoe. Uh, did a great job with this. And, and Mike, it definitely seems like uh, you're on your way here throwing out those crazy questions. Uh, so, yeah, keep that up, man. I'm, I'm going to listen every week. This has uh, definitely been one of my favorite pods. So keep this tradition going. Will do. Got a hot dog in your honor later today, man. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotovizradio.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.